purpose is transforming the world of work and business. Those leading the way are values-based and people-focused leaders who see business as a force for good. Host Kevin Monroe explores how tapping into the power of purpose infuses your business with meaning and touches the lives of your employees while positively impacting the communities you serve. With the Higher Purpose Podcast, here's Kevin Monroe. Thanks for joining me in the pursuit of purpose, higher purpose for business, leadership, and life. I'm your host, Kevin Monroe, and it's a delight to welcome you into my life each week. And I thank you for inviting me into yours as well. So here we are in episode 111. And I think you're going to enjoy this conversation today with my guest, Devin Halliday. He's got a brand new book, just came out yesterday. It's called The Belonging Factor. And here's something I believe, I I actually think I know this to be true about you, me, and even Devin. We all have a longing for belonging. And when we create environments where people feel they belong and are welcome to show up as themselves, well, that's an amazing opportunity and experience. And it's really kind of sad that it's rare for so many people. So hopefully, Devin's book and our conversation illuminates how we can make it more common. So without any further delay, let's get to it. Well, folks, it's a great joy to welcome Devin Halliday to the Higher Purpose Podcast. What a joy to have you join us today. Hey, thank you so much. I am very, very happy to be here today, Kevin. Okay, and this is airing after a big day in your life. What is that? Well, since you asked... (laughs) Uh, yesterday, my new book, Belonging Factor, How Great Brands and Great Leaders Inspire Loyalty, Build Community, and Grow Profits, just hit the markets officially. Awesome. So, very excited. So we're, we're going to talk about that in a moment. But, but Devin, a couple of things as we get started here. One, I've often been asked, how do I get to be a guest on the Higher Purpose podcast? And, you know, the there are fun ways that happens, but I think you have the most interesting path yet to being here as a guest on the podcast. You care to share? And, and let, yeah, go ahead and share. I'd love to. So let's see. A while back, I sent out an email just informing some of my subscribers to my mailing list about the upcoming book, some things that are happening on my podcast. And I received a reply from one of the, from this email and uh, it was from somebody called Kevin Monroe. And I believe it said, Hey, I don't think I signed up for this list. I'm unsubscribing out of principle. I hope you understand, but it's just the way my values work and I got to stay true to them. Something along those lines. And, uh, and I saw that and I went, Oh man, I've just broken somebody's trust. There's somebody who somehow has received an email from me that they don't recall subscribing for. And I looked at it and I went, well, if I'm in that position, which I have been, what do I want to hear from somebody? Oftentimes, if I sent a message like that, it would be silence. Yep. And in your case, I, 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 you know, use that litmus test for myself. And I think I replied with something like, you know, Kevin, I'm sorry I broke your trust. I respect the fact that you are absolutely doing your thing that aligns with your values. And I hope to earn back your trust someday. I completely understand all the best. Devin, right? Sound about right? That sounds about right. And, and from there, what happened? Like we, we got on the phone like immediately, right? 
That's right. This was a Friday afternoon, as I remember it, Devin. It was. And it was one of those things, first off, you know, not everybody works Friday afternoons. I usually do. Got this communication from you, and I really didn't remember signing up for it. And I'm pretty serious about email. I, I do my best to not spam anyone, you know, and, and I certainly, uh, I unsubscribe from a lot of emails. If I don't recall, so this is a warning to some people. If I don't recall subscribing and you send me something, more than likely, I will unsubscribe. And often when I unsubscribe, I get one of two responses, either crickets, nobody ever says anything, or people go, well, no, you sure did, you know, and they get defensive. Well, yours was just this different response. I'm like, okay, this guy gets this. And so I said, gosh, you know, I want to give, you gave me the benefit of the doubt. I needed to give it back to you and go, gosh, maybe I did subscribe. I just don't remember at this moment, but let's start fresh. Yeah. And let's start a relationship. And we start, and then we jumped on a phone call uh, and we talked that afternoon. And that was the fast track to us talking here today. So then you, that afternoon, you sent me a copy of your book uh, or an advanced copy PDF. And, and I read it. it anyway, it was just funny. And so, folks, it is a different path. It's not one I recommend um, <laughs> to, to being here because, like I say, a lot of times it just ends up in that unsubscribe. But I just love the authenticity that it allowed both of us to display about how we approach things. So anyway, thanks, Devin. Th thanks for, you know, not writing me off as a jerk because I did that, responded the way I did. And then same thing. It was just a beautiful path to relationship. So folks, yeah, there yeah. you have it. And, and I think one of the most important aspects of that, that whole interaction that it really demonstrates for me is, you know, there's, there's something I like to talk about when it comes to values and, and you had brought up that, Hey, this didn't align with my values. And I really think values are something that is kind of evident at the intersection of your words and your actions. If you, in my case, if I talk a lot about values and about trust and about authenticity, but my actions don't reflect that, I, that's not a value of mine. Right. And so, so ultimately I think what we both experienced with each other in that was the opportunity to really just show our values. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was, that, that was what came through with you, the way you responded. I'm like, okay, this is a guy I want to know. Plus I think every Devon I've ever met, I like, I don't know of any Devons that I don't like. Um, so anyway, so Devin, before we get into this, cause I do want to come back to this, what you talked about values at the intersection. Sure. Of, uh, I would phrase that you said actions and deeds. Is that what you said? Words and actions. Words, yeah. words and actions. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for me, I may say behaviors and beliefs, but anyway, it's what we do. It's, it's, it's where it shows up, but this is something you talk about in your book. It, it it's, uh, it's where I like to start every conversation once we get into it. And that's gratitude. Mm. So what is something, okay. I know you've, you just mentioned this book dropped yesterday. So that's a big gratitude moment. Absolutely. And I'm sure there is so much in the process of getting a book forward. So I'm going to ask you for two grat gratitudes, one's related to the book and then one's beyond the book, because I know that your life and your work is also bigger and, and goes beyond the book. So two gratitudes from you. All right, so let's let's start with the book and that that process. Now, one thing I am incredibly grateful for is partnerships and people that I had the opportunity to work with in collaboration with the book. I had the most amazing offer from somebody whose second language is English to go through and copy edit my book 
just as, and by the way, this was a LinkedIn connection and somebody who we've connected on, on a few various things. And she said, Can, would you mind if I do it? I would love to do it. And I said, sure, of course. I, I'm never going to turn down an, an offer to get somebody else's insights. And so Katrine Jeswin is this just amazing human who offered to do this. And it really helped shape a lot of how the book is presented because she came with a very different angle, particularly with English as a second language for her, which uh, she may be even more proficient than I. Probably me too. <laughs> right. But, uh, but she, she, she offered a perspective that I don't know that I could have gotten any other way. And it was just so generous of an offer and without any expectation in return. Mm. And then the partnership with my publisher, Jen Grace at PYP, uh, just an amazing coach and person to support for me, a first time author all the way through the process and to be able to make things for me very integrated and connected to the process and not just this very transactional, sterile relationship. Hmm. So those are my gratitudes. And, and I would encourage you know, all of you who are listening to think about those areas where uh, maybe some people are doing that and, and the gratitude that you express and show them. Um, certainly, I, I even got told, stop saying thank you. It's my pleasure to mm. do this for you uh, because I, I just I didn't know how to express that gratitude enough towards, uh, towards these two folks. To your second question, gratitude for life. For me, this is a little bit of a difficult time. I'm coming up on the one-year anniversary of my father's sudden passing. Mm. And, and so it's been, a, it's been a very, very big year since his passing for me, a lot of transition in my life, obviously this book and a lot of other things. So I'm grateful for, I don't want it to be super broad, but I, I am grateful for life and the opportunity to, to share my dad's messages and things he taught me and bring those things forward out into the world in a different way. So I'm grateful for that opportunity and all the faculties I have and resources that I've, I've come to partner with to be able to, to do that. It's, uh, it's deeply personal for me, uh, deeply personal. And I feel incredibly, incredibly gracious to be able to do it. Wow. Wow. Thanks for sharing that, Devin. All of sure. that. And um, yeah, I, I, maybe our dads will reemerge in the conversation. I don't know. Maybe. maybe. We'll see. We'll see. My dad, my dad seems to pop up in weird places these days. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so um, you know, I saw somebody post something this morning talking about gratitude and, and they were grateful for the opportunity to be able to call their mother and tell them I love you. And, and when I read that, I thought, gosh, what I wouldn't give for that because both of my parents are gone now. And, and that would be that. So that's one of those little things. If you have the opportunity, if you're listening and you have the opportunity to call, uh, yeah, probably don't text your parents. Calling's better, but if, if texting works, but just let your parents know you're grateful for them because uh, Devin and I don't have that opportunity to do it and get a reply. So uh, I'll invite you into that. So Devin, uh, man, uh, this book, The Belonging Factor. So congratulations on that. And I got to tell you, you, the name is one that cries out to me and connects with me instantly. So share with us the journey that you had as briefly as you can, or as you know, without, cause I know it gets, it, it can be complex, but what was it that led you to this understanding about belonging and how, when you had the opportunity to write a book, the belonging factor became the focus in the title of that book. Thanks for that question. That's, it, it is a very involved story. The short version is this 
for all of us as we're growing up, but we're all looking for that place to feel like we belong, our tribe. And it shows up in various ways, whether it's in grade school or high school or beyond that, fraternities and sororities, sports teams. For me, I always had a fascination with naval aviation and I wanted to be in the Navy. And I thought that that was my place. And uh, as soon as the opportunity hit, I joined the Navy and I got to fulfill my dream, my, my idea of where I thought I belonged. And that was in the military. What I came to realize was I loved aviation and I had a passion around it. And I loved all of the people that I had the opportunity to work with, but there wasn't a long-term fit in an organization like the military for the way I was developing and growing. And so I realized, hey, we, we can want this sense of belonging somewhere. And it's not always where we think we're going to find it. Mm. And ultimately, as I left the military, progressed in a career, uh, moving from you know, entry level into management, leadership roles and positions, what I really began to truly understand was it was my responsibility to create environments where people could feel a sense of trust and connection to help foster innovation and cooperation and deliver results. And by creating a team that has that dynamic, you're creating an environment where people truly can feel like they belong. They can speak their voice. And so that started to become a, a passion of mine. I didn't have the word belonging back then. I just had you know, good culture or something pretty, pretty mundane. So then where things really hit home for me was experiences that I had in watching other leaders in other brands be successful and trying to understand what are they doing that's different than what I'm doing to be consistently and regularly successful? And how can I uh, integrate some of those things into my leadership? And how can I share with others so they can integrate into theirs? And what I really came down to was five characteristics that are shared amongst brands and leaders that when replicated, they're all about people, by the way, just a little hint, but when replicated, uh, they have a tremendous impact in creating a sense of belonging. Okay. So I'm, I'm curious, um, when, when was it that the word belonging came into focus for you? Belonging came as a word into focus for me when I did my best to define what this idea of trust and, and connection and collaboration really was. And again, as a student, uh, certainly I was consuming a lot of articles, books, and other media that was related to the topic. Came across the wonderful Brene Brown, who belonging is a big part of the work that she does in a little different context, but certainly all the same underlying tones. And it hit me that like th this is the thing that I've been preaching, talking about, living, doing, and working so hard to, to grow in. And that's ultimately the part that really hit me. And it really stood out personally for me as an experience I had as a customer of a company. And I write about the company in the book uh, called SJC Custom Drums. But uh, for me, it was a, a sense of, gosh, this, this is family. From the moment I first interacted with them, and decided to purchase drums from them as, as a musician. Um, I've had many experiences with many different manufacturers, and this one was truly that community inside and outside the organization. They don't call them customers, they call them family members. Hmm. Uh, and, and it's treated that way. Send you happy birthday wishes, uh, promote you on social media for whatever venture you're in, uh, and respond and interact genuinely and humanly. And, and that's the brand that's in the organization. And for me, that was that sense of 
I belong here. That word really hit me. I belong here. Mm-hmm. And, and it further just defined this idea that that is the, the value and the experience of, from my perspective, a culture that does all those things that I write about in the book. Okay, so wow, there's so much there, and I, I want to unpack a little of this, Devin. And, and one of it, I want to invite you listening into this conversation. And, and I'm wondering, can you relate to an encounter like this, an experience like this, where there's been this concept that stands out to you? I, I certainly can. There are these concepts that you know you you see it, you feel it, you experience. You can't put your finger on it exactly. You can't find the word for it that explains it. And then all of a sudden you stumble on that word and that word comes to, to fruition or it comes forth somehow, you know, and all of a sudden it's like, wow. And then you see it everywhere. Belonging, right? <laughs> so true. So true. I, I thought I had the most original idea in the world when I was first feeling this. And then suddenly I, you know, became awake to this idea that there are so many others. And this was, you know, this was years and years ago, again, before I had that sense, but, but uh, definitely became aware of the fact that, man, that this, this is what's happening out there mm-hmm. in the world in the most successful places. And, uh, and to your point, and, and I'm sure everybody <laughs> who's listening is thinking now of that exact moment for themselves, but it really, it doesn't hit just in the head. It's not just an awareness. It's a feeling. Right. It, I mean, it hits. It, nobody can can see what I'm doing. I'm pointing right to my heart here, but that's exactly where it hits. Yeah. And it's this like filling feeling. You know, it's not a pit. It's like a. It's like an energy. Yeah. Best way I could describe it. Yeah. Well, I love it. Okay, so in the book, you talk about the belonging deficit. Mm. Now, explain that a little bit, and and talk about some of the things you see as the evidence of that, because. I believe this deficit's pretty tragic in our, it's pretty big and it's pretty tragic and it leads to a lot of uh, unfulfilled people in places. It does. And you know, there's, gosh, so there, there, there's a lot of research that has been done recently in this space and it's in two places, maybe it's best for us to talk about where, where folks could see it in their lives. Let's talk about the the personal aspect first. So social media, it, it gets uh, a lot of great exposure, and it also exposes a lot of things that are potentially uh, harmful for people and societies and that feeling and sense of belonging. So the deficit in the personal space, whether it's through social connection online and social media or uh, social and family connection, is this idea that there are uh, there are surface level things we do to kind of hit that that dopamine response that little reward response like when 500 people like one of our posts on social media <laughs> yet we don't have a relationship with maybe 498 of those people so it's this this quick dopamine hit where it's this this feeling of like yeah cool i'm connected to all these people but it goes away fast it disappears and you're left with this kind of deficit in feeling. So you have to hit it again and hit it again and hit it again for those dopamine hits, right? It's, it's this fake connection. It's curating our Instagram posts to look like we're, you know, these, these multimillionaires when uh, really we just did an amazing green screen trick. And this has been actually in the media recently with some Instagram influencers who have been caught, you know, manipulating some of their, their stories 
to make things appear better. And to me, that's representative of a, a large deficit in this sense of belonging. We're looking elsewhere to find these pieces of fulfillment and we're getting quick dopamine hits, we're getting quick satisfaction, and then it disappears. And that leaves the deficit. This also shows up just in family dynamic or in, in offline dynamic as well. Although in offline, it's much more difficult to feel that deficit because you're connecting in a different way. But certainly we all have, you know, many people have those groups of, of acquaintances, we won't call them friends, who they know they can't rely on. And the larger that portion uh, as a proportion of your total circle, uh, the more that deficit could be felt to when you're by yourself and things feel a little empty or when you don't have anybody that you can reach out to in that moment of need uh, that you really want to. So you just go get your, get your quick hit, go out to the bar, post something on social media. People like it. All right. You're good again for another hour. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So a couple of thoughts here. One, is it just me? Or do other people ask this question? We walk into a room, whether it's a social media room or, you know, uh, a, a real room, and we're the question, whether we verbalize it this way or not, the question we're asking is, do I belong here? It's not just you. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> So, it, I mean, it, that's, a, that's a very real experience. Again, getting into any social interaction, uh, particularly offline, there, there is this, let, let me frame it this way. I'll talk a, a personal story about my son, who's 21 years old, who's off at college. He grew up with the smartphone in his hand and connecting with people via conversations on his electronic devices. Yeah, he still went to high school and still had you know, a small group of friends. But then you get to college where things change. and his his experience is a, a tremendous amount of anxiety in walking into a room of strangers and go and and wondering how things are going to be not feeling comfortable necessarily approaching and speaking with uh somebody but sure enough if they exchange their details happy to get into some dialogue and texting back and forth now is that connection? Absolutely it is. But there's that idea when you, that, that anxiety that, that is like, man, do I belong here? What, what are these people thinking of me? And in reality, they may be all thinking the same thing. Do I belong here? And they're not even worried about you, right? Right. Oh, that, that, that's interesting. So let's bring this into the workplace. Yes. You know, so, so how many people are struggling with this issue. Do I belong on this team? Do I belong in this company? Do I belong in this job? And what's the the deficit or what's the cost of that deficit in terms of productivity, in terms of creativity, in terms of uh, engaging and folks just really making their best contribution and feeling rewarded for that, I guess is the word I'll choose there. Yeah, you know, and that's a great word for it. So as I, as I answer that, I, I would encourage you listening to think through some of the, the ideas that, that I'll bring up here and think through the context in your work environment and the teams that you're a part of, or if you're a leader, those that uh, you're charged to look after and care for. So in the workplace, the belonging deficit ultimately is about a misalignment of personal values to an organization's values, number one. Number two, about a misalignment with their direct leader in some way and then a misalignment with the the team 
any other individual on the team. And where this can show up is in teams that are building a, a diverse mix on their team, but doing so not for the sake of growing the capability of the team, but just maybe to fill a diversity metric that they may be chasing after. And that can bring in, from a perspective of that deficit, that can bring in some tension that without the right leadership application becomes this, this gap mm-hmm. in the team being able to innovate and communicate. The other piece here now when we think about as that direct supervisor, where, where this can come in is the, the, there's that old adage, people don't quit jobs, they quit bosses. Both are true. We know that. However, uh, when there's a misalignment of that leader, there's a belief that, that there's not trust from the leader. There's the inability to express your voice. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and there's that inability to share what I call constructive dissent or an opinion or idea about a project that goes against the grain of what the current thinking is. Uh, when, when that doesn't exist, that belonging deficit is truly present. And that's where the question starts coming in. Is this the place for me? Oh, man, I don't like my job. I don't want to go in today. Nobody listens to my ideas. Uh, or unfortunately, and this is statistically accurate, if you're a woman in a work environment, you may get talked over by the men who are in that room with you. And so that, again, that, that feeling comes up is there's not trust in me and there's not value in my voice. And then in the last piece is the organizational values. And this one, I think, is the systemic one within cultures of, of organizations. And that's kind of back to what I said when uh, values exist at the intersection of words and actions or behaviors and, and ideas, however, however we want to look at it. But the, the real concept here is this. If the organization posts up its mission statement, value statements, credo, and they're not lived by leaders and employees, and people in the organization are allowed to not fulfill whatever that is, uh, then there's a big deficit of does my work matter? Does anything really matter when what we say is sacred to how we operate doesn't even exist? How can I trust any piece of what's happening? If I'm told I'm you know, being guided towards a promotion, how do I know? Uh, and, and, and that's where that deficit comes in. And then we start looking elsewhere to fill that deficit. And oftentimes in the work world, that's transitioning off one team to another or leaving one organization for another. When, as an organization, where's the impact, right? Right. Or worse, checking out in place, right? Staying there, but, but spending your time on social media, trying to find those, fill those deficits. Yeah, and that's so true. So what my experience in leading teams has taught me is that you're most motivated for achieving personal fulfillment and success will not check out in place. They will leave. Those who have a different right. sense of motivation for one reason or another, um, I, I, oftentimes it's not laziness. And, and I think that, that that's a stereotype that is misapplied. It's, it's that despair or uncertainty mm-hmm. and, and feeling that there's at least some stability here. And so I can just suck it up and deal with it. Right. And so, that that's like your mid performers tend to tend to be in that space. Um, sometimes they just lack the confidence to to really look for that next thing. And so ultimately, the the cost to an organization is repeatedly the loss of some of your highest performing talent and the retention of some of your talent that you would like to see flourish and and blossom into high performing talent. 
but the culture isn't set up and designed to do that. And so it just keeps that cycle rolling. So we've touched on these. You say there are five key points of the book. Do you, do you want to hit those briefly? Because we, you, folks, you know this. You know that I, I will not have an author on to talk about their book. I may talk to them about something else, but if I'm going to mention an author's book, I'm only going to do it if I've read the book and if I believe you too would benefit from reading the book. And that is the case with Devin. So you want to, but we don't want to tell you the book. Uh, <laughs> I'm not trying to do cliff notes of the book and avoid you from reading the book. Uh, I, I, I want to encourage you to read it. But the, the big five points. There. Yeah, so here, here are the five points. And this is, again, it's about dealing with, interacting with, and supporting people. That's why it's transferable in the way a brand interacts with its customers or prospective customers. And the way a leader interacts with the people that a leader is charged to look after and support. So the first is authenticity. You, you have to model what's expected as a leader and as a brand and be authentic to, to your organization or your values. The next is to champion others. Empowering and advocating and giving ownership and a voice to others is critical. Brands do that by inviting people to... Uh, be brand ambassadors who maybe are not influencers. Brands also do that by supporting people who, you know, in the story I mentioned with SJC, people who maybe are in a music career and they're promoting their band. They're championing others and empowering them. Uh, the next one is value alignment. And I just spoke quite a bit on that when I talked about the deficit, but really defining what the roles and behaviors are and then making sure that they align throughout every operational aspect of an organization. Next one, building community. Building community is so important because you're talking about fostering collaboration. You're talking about giving a space for innovation to grow, mm -hmm. to get beyond just whatever the mission is, but to, to really engage people as every part of it. And of course, being human is, is an absolutely mandatory part of this, even for brands, is to show their humanity as a brand. And then the last one I would tell you in the belonging factor is to keep in mind that perspective always matters. So building teams with intellectual diversity uh, is something that is going to allow you to have paradigm shifts when you need them. It's something that's going to allow you to foster that, that constructive dissent in your culture. It's something that's going to allow people to bring in their lived experiences, their education, their knowledge, and shape your decisions in a way that those without it just simply can't do. It's a competitive advantage. Mm. So there are other words. Thank you for these five. There are other words that I saw in uh, surface in your book as you're going on this. And one of those I have a question for, and that is sure. a purpose. How did, how and when did you discover or come to understand that belonging is your purpose? in this work around belonging? Because I mean, it's not just the book. You have a podcast that's on belonging. I mean, it kind of uh, surfaces in all facets of your life. It does. Uh, so the best way to answer the question is how did that really come to be understood as my purpose? Yeah. It's really gonna go back to my time as a leader in a Fortune 15 company, leading sales teams and understanding that if I am simply trying to meet an end result and focused on the end result and the tasks, actions that get there, I'm not going to be successful. I'm going to upset a lot of people. I'm going to lose people on my team. I'm going to have a, you know, a very difficult time myself. 
if instead I connect to what people want to achieve in their lives. For me, where that showed up was in coaching. I stopped talking about the number and the end result with my people. And I started talking about what they wanted to achieve in their life. So many salespeople have told me over the years that they're not money motivated. You're in sales. How are you not money motivated? But it wasn't money that motivated them. It was the lifestyle they wanted to have, the boat they wanted to have, the house they wanted to buy, the truck to tow the boat that they just bought. Uh, the ability to send their four young children off to college when they got to college age. So, you know, what to do to achieve those things. And what I found as a result, and again, I didn't know the word belonging back then, but what I found was this purpose change in me to really figure out a way to unlock and develop the power of those people, Mm -hmm. not to manage them to achieve a result. So fast forward all these years where that's really become my purpose October 26th, 2018, uh, the day that my father passed away, I I was across the country from him. He was in California. I'm in Pennsylvania. And I immediately got on a flight to head out there. And the whole time I'm flying out there, I'm just wondering like why, right? That's the the big question. Why? Why now? Why why did this have to be the way? And pretty quickly on this five-hour flight started transitioning to, so so now what? Hmm. (laughs) Like, I've got to, I have to do something that is going to fulfill me. And that's when ultimately I left my job in the corporate world and I decided that my purpose now is to take this thing that I've done as part of all of my responsibilities and make it my sole experience in life. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. I did not know that, Devin. And um, man, what what a way, what a way to pay honor and tribute to your dad. Yeah, I appreciate that. And and beyond that, one one of the things that strikes me the most is as people, we strive for this sense of belonging. We could go to Maslow and look at hierarchy mm-hmm. and all that stuff, but we strive for the sense of community, tribe, belonging. And there are so many things in our lives that distract us from being able to fulfill and experience that in true, authentic ways. And there are a handful of people like yourself, many of your listeners, I no doubt. Uh, who are doing things to help make that a reality in people's lives, to open up this conversation or idea that it can exist in a real way. Yeah. Hmm. Whether we call that purpose, whether we call it traditional values, whether it doesn't matter the name we assign to it. It's again, it's about that, that experience, that, that feeling. Hmm. So for me in that moment, it was about this idea that uh, talking and doing it in, in a limited scope in my organization was great. What, what now? And, and, how, and, how, and how does it matter? An opportunity to do it on a bigger, broader scale, impact more people with it, and invite more people into this belonging that we all have that longing for. Absolutely. So when I read your word or your part about authenticity, you know, it's authenticity when I really think of my dad. My dad, I've said this before, maybe some of you've heard it. Uh, I've not said it a lot, but, but my dad was the most authentic person I ever knew. And as a teenager, I was sadly embarrassed by his authenticity that did not require the level of sophistication to pull off that I would have been pleased with at that point in life, right, Devin? I, I'm sitting here laughing because I, I, I have like 15 memories that just flooded of that exact experience of me going, oh, dad, come on. But they were authentic. A hundred percent. Yeah, you know, and it wasn't uh, 
my, my dad was just so comfortable in his own skin. And that's what it, it really inspired me is, gosh, I want to be as comfortable being me as you have been being you. And you know what E.E. E. Cummings said that uh, I know longtime listeners have heard this, but it's just, and I'm not a big poetry guy, not as big as I wish I were at times, but E.E. E. Cummings said to be nobody but yourself in a world that's doing its best night and day to make you everybody else is the hardest battle any of us fights and we never stop fighting it. Right, so this just showing up as you and getting to the point where you and me and you listening understand that is enough. That, that's the ultimate of belonging, is that who you are at your core identity is enough. Yeah, belonging is about it, feeling permission to show up as yourself. That's really, I, I think, the, the simplest way to internalize it and then start to apply it is if I really feel like I have permission to show up as myself, I feel a sense of belonging here. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, so now I want to go back to the beginning and start all over and just talk. Now I'm teasing. I love this line of feeling permission to show up as yourself. What uh, we're coming towards the end of our time together, but what two or three things that are really needed for leaders, let's talk about the leaders listening. What does it take for a leader to give someone permission to show up as themselves? So the first thing is to be an ally or advocate for people in a different position than you, whether that's on the opposite side of a socioeconomic divide mm -hmm. or, uh, or somebody who is quirky, that person who you <laughs> maybe just, uh, yeah, that's Bob, that's just the way Bob is. Give them your allyship advocate for them to to express their voice and to bring it into the conversation that's that's one really big important way the other one is to as a leader make sure that you have clearly defined what the values and culture and roles and behaviors within that look like oftentimes my experience is that it's shared via email at meetings <laughs> But it's not something that is really truly defined. And so define, part of defining it is not just telling it, but it's showing it. And you can't just show it once. You have to show it as a part of your culture and DNA. But the, the question I would ask for all you leaders is, do I message regularly and demonstrate it, that message to the point where it truly allows value alignment? Mm -hmm. and, and again, for almost all of you, I'm sure, live it right it, it, almost all of you who are listening could answer the question yes i absolutely live these values but do you do you make sure that they are messaged regularly and that it is part of the existing culture because it's not just your responsibility as a leader it's your team's responsibility too to be part of that culture and they want to be by the way so just make sure you message it hmm. and then the last piece i would tell you is is it requires you to model what's expected, like I just talked about. So that requires yeah. being transparent. It requires having an impeccable self-analysis skill or an impeccable feedback channel to where you can often ask for feedback from your team, from your peers, from leaders uh, around you to give you input. Know what your plus deltas are and, and know it not just from your own analysis, but from those others. So you can address those things to continue to demonstrate your authentic self. Because really, at the end of the day, 
it, all of us have to be who we say we are, right? We, we really do. And, uh, and if we aspire for these great impacts, we have to be the person, the leader who is doing those, the appropriate actions, living the appropriate values to have that culture and that amazing impact. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I dumped no, a whole lot on you. I'm like here, you know, it's just time to go to another conversation uh, and, and we're drawing to the end of this one. So we'll, we'll just have to find a way to do that, Devin. Uh, so how do you put a bow on this that we've shared today? It, it, and okay, speaking of bow, what do you put a bow on? You put a bow on a gift. And, and so I do know this. Devin has a gift that he's going to offer. So maybe you can share the gift and then the bow. Sounds great. <laughs> So here, here's what I, I absolutely love this podcast. I love the mission and work that Kevin is doing. And for all of you, what I'd like you to be able to do is to get a signed copy of my book. So I'm giving away two signed copies to the listeners of Higher Purpose Podcast. And if you go to, I'm sorry? I said, thank you. Oh, absolutely. So if you go to higherpurpose.belongingfactor, the name of the book, .com, uh, you'll be able to enter in right there to get the the two free signed copies that I'll be sending out. And of course, you can always you know, purchase some extras. The book came out yesterday, put a bow on them and give them as a gift to somebody else. But the way I'd like to put a bow on this conversation is first to express my thanks once again for having me part of this dialogue and the work that you're doing. And to thank all of you listening for the investment of your time, because ultimately, that's the greatest resource that any of us has the opportunity to, to give. And so to take this conversation to action would be, I think, the, the important next step. And if anything we talked about today really resonated deep, deeply with you, I would encourage you to just take one aspect, one piece to start with. And if you end up with the Belonging Factor book in your collection and really start to explore that further, uh, you'll find that it might be simple but it's not going to be easy to have the type of impact you want to have. So choose the challenge of struggle because that's the path that's going to lead you to exactly the outcomes you're trying to achieve. So Devin, I thank you for that. And thanks for this challenge of choosing the struggle. Uh, you know, folks, it, I like books that are simple, but as Devin said, and as Einstein said before either of us, simple isn't easy. But simple does mean that we can get our brains around it and that we can do something with it. But take it, put it into action. So thank you, Devin. Thanks for joining today. Thanks for the gift of your book and for gifting your book to a couple of the listeners of the podcast. For people that want more from you, more with you, where, where do we direct them? A couple things to do. Listen to the podcast if you'd like, podcast.belongingfactor.com or find it on your favorite podcast platform. We have amazing interviews. Kevin will definitely have to come on the show because I think we have a lot more to talk about. I know we have a lot more to talk about. Thank you. I look forward to that. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, I, I love receiving emails with questions. I respond pretty much immediately. You can email me, ibelong at belongingfactor.com. Oh, That's your that's your belonging, not mine. So you, you belong in the conversation. I belong at belongingfactor.com is a great way to, to get in touch with me. And of course, devinhalliday.com is a phenomenal way to just explore a little bit more about what's going on in my world. And I'd love to connect with you. Well, thanks for joining. And folks, there's your invitation to connect with Devin Halliday. Thanks again, Kevin. Well, I hope you're still vibrating with the resonance of something you heard in 
and through this conversation. The big idea that's still buzzing with me and for me is, is how amazing it is when you feel, when you and I feel, and feel is that key word, when we feel permission to show up as ourselves, when you feel permission to show up as your authentic self, as you. And what amazing things happen when you do and how much benefit there is to the team or the organization that creates an environment that welcomes that and allows that to happen. And if you're in a leadership role, what can you do today to create the conditions and environments that allow your people to do just that? And as you do, remember, your example is your very best teaching tool. So model it and live it every single day. And then the final part, and echoing on this values piece, the values that are seen at the intersection of your words and actions are the real values you live by. So it's really powerful when those are the same values that are espoused in your value statement or decorate the walls of the halls at your office. But those are the values that people see, feel, and experience. So I hope this has inspired and encouraged you and that you have a greater sense of belonging or find and make that possible for others. Hey, you know, you can email me, Kevin at higherpurposepodcast.com. Let me know what you're thinking, or you can call me, 678-744-5111. And until we connect again, I want to inspire and encourage you to live, love, and lead with purpose. Do you have a high-stakes initiative that is stuck, stalled out, or stymied, and you're not sure what to do now and how to forge a path forward? The situation is not as grim as you think it is. We can help. Contact Kevin to explore how a winning conversation may be exactly what you need to break the gridlock, unite your team in purpose, and accelerate traction. Call 678-744-5111 or email kevin at higherpurposepodcast.com.